0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, this is NFL legend, two-time Super Bowl champion Gary Clark. You know what you got to tune in to, right? You know what podcast is off the chain. This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to
1: Burgundy Network Podcast.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Burgundy Network podcast. I'm your host, Josh Taylor. Joining me as always is my co-host from Atlanta, Georgia, Brian Murphy. What's going on, Brian?
1: What's up, man? We are in game week. I can't believe it's finally here. It is so exciting and so ready to talk about actual, real, meaningful football. It feels, feels really good.
2: I know. Just thinking back of like a few weeks ago, like, man, it seems like it's forever away. Now we're finally here. But guys, we're going to be breaking down a special episode. Obviously, it's week one. So we have to bring in some enemy lines here to talk about the Chargers. And this episode, which is a special episode, is brought to you by Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to place all of your sports bets, regardless of what sports you bet. Obviously, college football just kicked off. I've been throwing money probably a little bit more than i should the last few weekends i made some notre dame cost me a little bit last night but it's okay uh i'm gonna hedge it tonight with ole miss up but guys like i said football season's kicking off and right now washington's only one point underdog we were favorites for a little while so vegas is kind of you know going towards the charges right now and we'll break that down for you to see which way you should bet but if you sign up today you get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so even if we lose which is possible. Chargers are a good team. We'll talk about it, but you still get 50% of free money that you can bet at a later time. So go to bet online and uh, sign up today and start playing. And joining us to talk about the Chargers, we have Daniel Wade from Locked On Chargers. What's going on, Dan?
0: What's up, guys? It's game week. I mean, it All feels right. so good to say. I mean, it's always, God, I just can't wait for the preseason, right? At least give me some young guys, some rookies out there, something to talk about. And then quickly that just turns in into- there. All right, I'm ready uh, for the real thing now, especially yeah. when you don't get to see Justin Herbert throughout the preseason. You start, you know, fiending for the real thing even more.
2: Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about old Rusty Herbert a little bit and see what you <laughs> think about that. But before we dive into this game, let's just do a quick recap of both teams last season. So obviously, Washington wins NFC East, with you know, not the best record. Seven to nine NFC East was a little <laughs> banked up with Dak and so on. Obviously, the quarterback play has been mediocre for years now. I mean, going back to Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson coming in. That's been the biggest struggle. We have the perfect Super Bowl caliber team, but just dollar general quarterbacks coming in. And Alex Smith did what he was supposed to do with his natural story, but we knew we had to improve the quarterbacks. So I want to get your opinion on Ryan Fitzpatrick. We bring him in for one year. Being out there, I mean, he's been on seems like every single team in the NFL, so the Chargers have seen him a good bit throughout his career. What did you think about Fitzpatrick and his fit specifically with Washington?
0: I mean, I think it's one of the more interesting quarterback situations in the NFL right now because all we saw from him last year was bailing out to Tonga Vailoa, right? And leading to some pretty miraculous comebacks and just looking like the better quarterback last year for them. Obviously, he was a little salty about getting sat and seeing how the two performed when they were out there. I can understand it from his part, but I, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's not you know, the chargers quarterback. So it's, it's, I don't have as much now I'm not living and dying with how he's going to perform, but it's hard to deny that there's some magic there. Right. And I think it's just, which version are you going to see? Is it going to be some Fitz magic out there or is it going to be, you know, what's kept him from being a starting quarterback throughout the league for the rest of the seasons, he's been kind of up and down, you know, had some time with the bills obviously, but it's definitely one of the most interesting things I think for them though. I think it has to be better than what you guys had, right? I mean, I think it is a solid <laughs> improvement, and I do think that what he was working with last year in Miami, which were pretty much all the reasons that people kind of blamed for their offense struggling, he was still making it work with those pieces, right? Like down five, six, seven offensive skill weapons at a time. Now he comes here, gets Terry McLaurin, right? You end up bringing Curtis Samuel in. You have Logan Thomas now who's coming on miraculously as a good tight end in the NFL now which is something that many have tried and not many have actually been able to follow through with. So I think it's super interesting. I'm excited to see how it plays out, but definitely makes me a little weary for this matchup just because you don't know which one you're going to get.
2: Yeah, finally, a quarterback who's wanting to throw it beyond 20 yards is a new feeling. We don't know, like, J.D. McKissick being second in the league in catches last year, that just kind of says, like, we were just checking it down every – Every single play.
0: Alex Smith to that. Big difference for sure. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So looking at Justin Herbert, it's funny because that was like the big debate for Washington. Like, we need to get Justin Herbert. Like, we should have got him because look how he's balling out there. Like, guys, same thing. Derwin James, Dron Payne. Like, I feel like we went with the good pick. You know, same thing with, uh, obviously, he won the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Chase Young wins the Defensive Rookie of the Year. So it's the battle of those two. How much did you, were you really impressed by Justin Herbert based off of your expectations for him coming in? and then he just tearing it up the way he did with not the best offensive line.
0: For sure. And, I mean, to Washington's credit, it's not like many people thought he was the second overall pick last year, right? I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I thought that going into the season. And it always helps when you still get a damn good player, right, with that pick. It's not like you got somebody who didn't just win defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Yeah, well, that's true. (laughs) But as far as Justin Herbert goes, I mean, No one could have saw it coming. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I did, but I just couldn't have been more impressed because what you saw in college or the lack of was the explosive playmaking on a consistent basis. I mean, so many checkdowns, such a weird offense that they ran for him at Oregon, given his gifts, right, with the ability to throw the ball down the field that didn't really cater to his strengths a lot of the time. So seeing him in the pocket as he's about to get hit, dropping dimes over the middle of the field to Keenan Allen or just fade routes to guys, where you just didn't even know he had that kind of touch on the ball because you didn't see it so much in college. He outperformed everyone's expectations to do what he did in 15 games to really just vault himself into the conversation even of being a top 10 quarterback, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, it blew us all away, but I think just how quickly he picked everything up when Keenan Allen is saying after the first game, that's the first pass I've caught from Justin Herbert in that game right there shows you how little you know first team reps he was getting he didn't get any so just to have him come in and do that and then end the season how he did going 4-0 and some of those were fraudulent too I mean they should have lost some of those games but still showing poise late in games after having some early miscues in those same situations I thought you still saw not just a super impressive performance but a guy who was getting better
1: well we already talked about it just a little bit Uh, you know he didn't play in the preseason at all And it's one thing for a veteran guy to change coordinators, change coaches, and just kind of, you know, they've seen it all before. But how worried, if at all, are you with him not taking any preseason reps with a brand-new head coach, a brand-new offensive coordinator, a couple of new weapons, you know, losing a couple of weapons? What are your thoughts there with him? You know, the first live bullets he's going to see is Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think there is some concern there. At the same time, With the track record that the Chargers have with injuries, I mean, even just seeing Derwin James being ready to step on the field for week one is a huge win for the Chargers. But I can't blame the process that they went with. If you could say, hey, do you want these guys out there or not? Wrap those guys in bubble wrap because you've seen these guys go out there and do it. And his approach to the whole thing is, you know, the things we're doing in practice are better than what you're going to see in the preseason. And that might be true, but it's not better than what you're getting in real game action, especially When you're going into a stadium that has fans, which is another thing that he didn't have a lot of last year. So I think with the trip over to the East Coast, going into stadiums where in those crunch time moments, you're going to have roaring fans kind of making things a little bit more difficult for you. I think this is a good time of the year to get the Chargers offense, honestly. And I really like what the Washington football team has defensively. But to get this offense in their first game with those guys having to shake off the rest a little bit. I mean, there's no doubt about it that there's a lot of talent there. But getting them this early, I do think there could be a little bit of rest. I think it could take them, you know, a few drives maybe to really kind of kick things into gear. But it's hard to tell because we haven't seen this offense with Justin Herbert at the helm yet.
2: Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel's like our knocking the rust off guy. Finally at practice today. He's going to be a huge question mark. Um, But my thing with Justin Herbert – well, actually, you talked about Keenan Allen a little bit. I want to talk about him some because, like, Terry McLaurin is our, like, underappreciated to the media, like, wide receiver. I feel like Keenan Allen's in that same boat. I feel like he's easily a top 10 wide receiver, probably one of the better route runners in the NFL doesn't drop much of anything. He probably has the best facial hair out of any wide receiver. <laughs> Do you think Keenan Allen is deserving of more media and having a quarterback like Justin Herbert finally is going to help him get there?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, he was still putting up ridiculous numbers even if it was, when it was with Phillip Rivers. So like, From that standpoint, I do think he could put up better numbers this season than he has the last couple of years, and those have been some pretty big numbers, you know, over 100 catches in all of those the last three seasons. Almost 1,000
2: yards last year. Yeah, I mean,
0: missed three games. I think he finished with 990 or something (laughs) ridiculous like that. But the biggest thing last year was he only averaged about 10 yards per reception. So even though they were peppering him with the football, they weren't really getting him into the intermediate or deeper parts of the field at all. But the one place you did see him take a step, was with the touchdowns. I mean, he seemed to be stuck on six. Last year, he was more of a focal point in the red zone, which is something I don't think a lot of teams saw coming. He ended up with eight touchdowns last year, a lot of those coming in close. And I think that was part of the, really what was holding him back. But at the same time, it's like I live in Chargers Twitter, right? So the only thing I ever (laughs) see is Keenan Allen is underrated. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver. I think just because he doesn't have, you know, the big explosive plays, that's something that makes him not as flashy. But I do think, that could change somewhat this year. And I do think what you saw last year was that instant chemistry. And those dudes just had a full preseason together and a new offense, but they should be more connected now than they've ever been.
2: Yeah. It's funny. I kind of like compare people. Like I don't want Terry McCorn on fantasy because look at all these weapons we have now, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson's the top fantasy ball. guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But like,
2: if you look at um, Keenan Allen, same thing, Mike Williams on the other side, Austin Eckler who eats it up in fantasy, one of the you know right. top three, four running backs in fantasy and then adding Jared cook, there's so many weapons, but I feel like the best players always find a way to just get those those balls. And you're going to be throwing a Keenan Allen regardless because he's a stud. Now, one thing was interesting when I really broke this down, and it wasn't the fact that Justin Herbert's very uh, anal about his shopping carts. It's that him under pressure is ridiculously good. So I'm like, all right, you know, we're going to bring the pressure. We're going to, you know blitz just being justin herbert's grill because the offensive line is not the best it did get better so obviously you draft deshaun slater um you signed um who was it from the Corey Lindsley,
0: matt Corey
2: Lindsley and matt fivert matt fivert is what i was thinking of so you add those three beefy fronts do you think that's enough to compete with a pass rush like washington
0: The offensive line is tricky, right? Because when you hear offensive line experts talk about it, they're always saying seeing the formation with one set of eyes and things like that, just going towards like the chemistry. And that's the thing we haven't really got to see because this starting line, even in the preseason, you haven't had the five guys who should be out there on Sunday out there at the same time. So yeah, they did some joint practices, had some time going up against a pretty good defense with San Francisco, but it's practice again. And the other big thing that's already kind of stirring this week is Head coach Brandon Staley today said that he would not with certainty say that Brian Bulaga was going to be out there on Sunday against the Washington football team. And as good as the Chargers did as far as overhauling the offensive line, because they didn't bring anybody back. They replaced four of their five starters from last year. It had to happen, but you can't build an offensive line, a consistent good offensive line in one off season, right? So the depth is still a big question mark there. If he's unable to go, the first option is Storm Norton who is a former XFL player who latched on with the chargers last year coming into the league and is now their backup swing tackle. He was fine in preseason, but that guy, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence just saying, Hey, this is a guy that's ready to go out there and start against this specific defensive front. I mean, that's a tough matchup for anybody to have to go in there and face at the start of a season, right? Especially when you're not the number one guy all the time. So I do think the offensive line is much better but health is already popping up for them. And with Brian Buaga, it's just so hard to say because he missed so much time last year. Played in a lot of games, but only played about 40% of the offensive snaps.
2: Yeah. We got an XFL guy, too. His name is Taylor Heineke. The fan base. There's some magical guys in the XFL. You mean the
0: closest but... guy to beat Tom Brady last year? Is that yeah. Wow. QB1 to all the fan base.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... So we've already mentioned a couple of these playmakers. I mean, Austin Eckler's probably been one of my favorite players, probably because of fantasy and him, you know, slamming on the guitar when he scores and all that. What is his workload going to be like? I mean, is he in for like a Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, dump it to him, toss it to him, run routes for? I mean, is that what they're looking to do? But I know that there are a bunch of mouths to feed that, like we've already talked about. But it seems There's like Eckler. He was a little
2: up last
0: year too.
1: Yeah, and but but it seems like Eckler is kind of primed for that to take that next step. Is that what you're seeing or thinking happens this year?
0: I mean, it's hard fantasy-wise because, yeah, last year I'm sure a lot of people kind of got scarred when they bought into the hype and then he ended up missing games. But he's even out here on social media telling people, you know, draft me because like I'm about <laughs> to go off. It's hard to say, right? I mean, just this is another thing where – you're speaking from ignorance a little bit just because you haven't seen what the philosophy is going to be. I mean, even in New Orleans where their offensive coordinator came from, mm-hmm. you had a guy like Alvin Kamara, but you know, the guys like Latavius Murray and Mark Ingram are still getting reps there at the same time, right? So and you also have a guy they brought in to help out the running game from San Francisco. That's another place where especially fantasy wise it's kind of hard to trust those running backs from week to week so it's hard to say i mean with his skill set with what he's able to do after the catch which the chargers don't have another guy like him in that regard it seems like he's going to have a heavy workload but it's too hard to say that it's going to just be a total lion's share especially with the injury history try to get him you know 15 to 18 touches a game maybe that's what they think going into the season trying to keep him healthy get the other backs involved but i would be lying if i said i know for certain
2: yeah, you mentioned like this is a good time to play the Chargers. I'd say opposite because like everyone, mostly everyone's healthy right now. Like both is not banged up. Jerwin James isn't hurt yet. Like Austin Eckler isn't hurt yet. Like I'm like, dang. Like week one, at least we're playing them at home. If we were playing, you know, in L.A., I'd be like, yeah, I don't see us yeah. winning. let be honest with you. But let's look at the defensive side of the ball, which to me has been impressive, even more than I expected it to be especially with one guy who I broke down a lot in the draft, and that's Asante Samuel Jr., who looks like a stud already. You know, you have Derwin James already in your secondary, then you add a guy like Asante Samuel. What have you seen from him preseason that's really stood out to you?
0: I mean, I think the thing that you've just noticed right away is, first of all, if he gets beat on a plate, it doesn't get to him. And that's what all of his teammates have said about him the entire time. He has that dog in him where he wants to step up and be on that next round, try to make a play on the next ball. And they've all commended him in that way. And that means you're also making mistakes, too. And I think that's the thing with Asante Samuel Jr. You will happily take the upside and live with the rookie learning curve. At least, you know, if it's up to me, I'll take the plus side and deal with maybe some of the shortcomings that he's going to fight as a rookie, maybe some penalties, maybe getting beat a couple of times. But the one thing that stood out more than anything is just attacking the football and physicality. I mean, the first time he was out there in a preseason game, he comes up full speed downhill, takes out a wide receiver on the Rams. And you're just like, wow, I haven't seen a Charger want to tackle that much in probably 10 years. So that was a really encouraging thing because they didn't have a lot of really physical guys on the outside. And I think that's something that Brandon Staley has wanted to change this year. So you're getting the physicality and you're getting a guy that makes plays on the football. And the Chargers needed a little bit more of that. Somebody who can attack the ball while it's in the air. Asante Samuel brings those same instincts as dad had. And I think he's going to be making plays on a lot of balls, even as early as his rookie year.
1: Yes. So sticking with the defense, I mean, we know Bosa, we know James, we know Samuel now, but what are some of the, who are some of these guys that are under the radar on the defensive side of the ball that we're going to see their numbers flash a lot on Sunday and for, you know, this whole season?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. They definitely have the stars and they're going to need a couple of guys defensively to kind of take the stage and really handle that spotlight and step into a kind of a breakout role for the team, because it is talent at a certain point, but you have to come out and produce. At the same time, so one of the things I think isn't getting talked about a lot with the Chargers is their linebacking core, who features three healthy dudes who have some starting experience with the team. Drew Tranquil, out of Notre Dame, a fourth-round pick a couple of years ago, has looked really, really good at linebacker. Ended up being, you know, an All-Pro limer, rookie, all rookie team linebacker as a rookie a couple of years ago. Last year, ended up missing the entire season. Then you have Kenneth Murray. coming into the mix and last year he had over 100 tackles but that's a little misleading he struggled in a lot of ways talked about how he wasn't really comfortable in the defense now you're in a new defense with brandon staley who wants him to get downhill and if you've seen kenneth murray at all at oklahoma or you know anything about his game it's like he needs to be blitzing he needs to be close to the line of scrimmage he needs to be trying to get tackles for loss and things of that nature he's going to see more of that you're not going to see him getting isolated in coverage and, you know, trying to pick up the nuances of zone coverage in his first season in the NFL. That's something nice to see. And then Kazeer white, you know, their backup who could get on the field at the same time with them, but Brandon Staley runs dime, you know, or nickel or dime on 80 plus percent of his defense. So you're going to see a ton of that this weekend, but if their third linebacker Kazeer white is another guy who seems to be fighting for, you know, starting snaps right now and is looking really, really solid, not only in coverage where he's a former safety uh, West Virginia but also just as a physical playmaker a lot of guys making plays in the backfield set up by this Brandon Staley defense that is kind of made to do that
2: yeah let's look at some matchups I think there's a lot of good matchups you kind of drill it up with the linebacker core same thing with us I feel like that's a lot of weakness on both sides for us you know with us with Logan Thomas and Tuneo Gibson to run the ball and then same thing our linebacker core has always been terrible <laughs> against linebackers and running backs <laughs> like Austin Eckler who yeah. are going to be you know catching these short passes and just dumping them off. And then we over or we just don't cover a guy. And then he takes it like 30, 40 yards to the crib. When you look at some matchups, what's one of the biggest ones that really stands out to you?
0: I mean, I think it's, you know, Derwin James versus not just Logan Thomas, but potentially even Terry McCorn in Mm. this game. Because one of the things that Brandon Staley has really talked about the most is using Derwin James in the star role. And basically what that is, is what they had Jalen Ramsey doing a lot of the time and yes you know derwin james when he's been out there has been one of the best safeties in the league but one of the things that brand staley is trying to do is get him near the ball put him where he thinks the ball is going to go on third downs get him near the action more than he necessarily was in years past so if you get that matchup specifically i mean trying to find logan thomas on third downs or in the red zone or on a big third down derwin james versus terry mclaurin I mean, most safeties would just absolutely get torched, but I've actually seen Derwin James lock up Keenan Allen one-on-one. So it's like, I'm not even going to doubt him in that situation just because the dude's like another world of talent. But I think that's something that I think I'm very interested to look, you know, to see during the game. What makes me nervous for the Chargers, your guys' front four, right, or the defensive front versus the Chargers' offensive line because make all the improvements you want this is the first time we get to see it, right? You might be down with Brian Bulaga already. The Chase young Rashawn Slater matchup, everyone's going to talk about oh, you that. that. I see that video all the time. <laughs> and I'm as ecstatic about that as anything, but it's oh, more yeah. than just that, you know? It's more than that for the Chargers who have a lot of unknowns right now on that offensive line. They're all going to have to come together to face some pretty nasty defensive tackles some pretty nasty edge rushers over there for the Washington football team. So I think that's a huge test for them. And on the flip side... The running game against the Chargers has always been effective. I mean, whether you look at their DVOA or just the raw total number of yards and big plays they give up on the ground, that's always been something that's hurt the Chargers. They didn't add a lot to their defensive tackle room. They got a backup defensive tackle on Christian Covington. You bring back Limbaugh Joseph and Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones. The last two guys I mentioned haven't performed to this point. So you're going up, I think, against a pretty decent offensive line with the Washington football team and a really good, powerful runner in Antonio Gibson. I think that's something that they are basically putting a lot of faith, just that the scheme itself is going to work in the one-on-one matchups in the front seven to single up linebackers with running backs. It's hard to believe after seeing them get gashed the way they were, but at least with Brandon Staley, you have a little bit of faith in him at this point because we haven't seen it, that it might make some improvements, but we have to see it.
2: I'll go ahead.
1: I was going to say a couple of those things that you mentioned, I think could go both ways. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. in his first career game is going to, have play some meaningful snaps. The same thing with Benjamin St. Juice for Washington. I mean, he they really feel like he is the third corner, and we know that the third corner is basically a starter. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking at the same time, there's a lot of similar stuff. Inexperienced linebackers. Jamin Davis is going to go up against Jared Cook. I mean, there's a lot to – that. this could go either way, depending on uh, what you're saying. So a couple, a couple of those brought up, you know, jogged some memories. And, you know, I was thinking, like, this – a lot of mirror going on on Sunday.
2: Yeah, for, no,
0: I definitely see that.
2: For me, I can see, like, our linebacker core. Like, I agree, like, bringing the pressure is exactly what we want to do. But, like, that was another nugget that just stuck out to me, like I said, with how good Herbert was against the pressure. Better than Pat Mahomes, who's known as, like, the pressure Jesus. You know, having to roll out of the pocket and throw it, you know, laying completely sideways in the Super Bowl. <laughs> 13 touchdowns, almost 1,500 yards, and a 99.4 pass rating while under pressure as a rookie with a pretty bad offensive line last year. Like to me, that's ridiculous. Like you shouldn't be putting up that kind of numbers. Um, And what people don't really consider with Herbert is how good he really is on his feet. So yes, we can bring the pressure, but I pray to God we're not blitzing linebackers all day long. Like we have to get to Herbert before because it's the time where you bring Jamin Davis, where Jared Cook's wide open, or it's a little dump pass to Eckler and he just takes it 60 yards. Like it's nothing or Herbert escapes and he runs to the outside. Like, it's, it's good to bring pressure, but it has to be the right kind of pressure. It can't be we just bring everybody and just pray we get to him before he unloads it because he, he's really good at that. It's one of his better things to do. Um, another one for me is Fitzpatrick. Like you mentioned, are we going to see Fitz tragic or Fitz magic? When you have a ball hawk like Asante Simmel Jr. who's going to go after Like He said first game, you know, he's going to be pumped up. It's an away stadium. Like you said, finally, the fans are back. He hasn't had that for a while either derwin james is back like it's so many playmakers on your defense but one guy that stands out to me also is chris harris how much do you really see him like what kind of scheme do y'all really run for the secondary like what can we expect
0: so i mean for the secondary what you can expect at least from what we've seen so far is if they're going into nickel which is what they're in most of the time chris harris jr is going to come from the outside into the slot asante samuel jr is going to be on one side michael davis is going to be on the other end With Brandon Staley's defense, what they want to do is they want to look simple and do something complicated, right? And that's really what they're going to try to do a lot of is disguise coverages and things like that. They don't want to give you a lot pre-snap. If they are giving you something, they want to give you the wrong information, right? That's been kind of a theme of what you've seen defensively. But I would say that one of Staley's philosophies is getting two-on-one matchups in the passing game. So he wants to keep the big play receivers on big downs. Two guys near them in some way, one way or the other. So you're getting some combo coverages and things like that as well. It's one of those things where it takes a ton of communication, as opposed to Gus Bradley's defense where you're just running a lot of heavy, heavy cover three. The communication wasn't as important. Right now you have Derwin James with the green dot trying to lead the way, and that makes you feel good about it. But the communication is going to be you know, have to be on point, especially on those key downs for the Chargers defense. And I mean, they're gonna have to get home, you know, they're gonna have to make Ryan Fitzpatrick, try to do too much, you know, try to be Ryan Fitzmagic and fail, get his helmet twisted off 90 degrees to the side, but then not (laughs) complete the pass this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just think that you have to try to make him do too much a little bit. You have to put some pressure on him. And I think one of the things you can do that with is the disguise, but if you're going to do it, you're going to run schemes like that. You better be on point with your communication because if not, that's how you get a coverage bust. That's how you get a big play. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm, it's going to be cool. I mean, I think there's a reason why the line on this game is so close. Same. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to feel good about both teams and some reservations. I'm sure you guys know as well.
2: Yeah. Vegas always knows. Like yeah. even last night with Notre Dame, four state, you're like, Oh, Notre is going to blow these cats out. Like, four State sucks. And then it turned right. out to be like one of the better games of the week And like, yeah, Vegas knows. I don't know. I don't know how, but they always know. But, um, so, like you said, Fitzpatrick, to me, like, that's one of the key points. Can he limit the turnovers? And your defense kind of sounds a lot like ours. Like, we love versatility. We love Landon mm-hmm. Collins coming up, going back. Same with Cam Curl, we've seen him a lot in the box uh, preseason. And then going back. And then, you know, like a 5-2, look like we're going to bring a lot of pressure and then send somebody back into cover. So, I think we have to – it's not, it's not going to be easy to confuse Justin Herbert, but we have to keep him on his toes where every single play he's having to read and make sure, hey, this is what they're doing – go through his progressions and hopefully get some turnovers. I feel like the turnover battles where it's really going to be one for this game. So on our show, we don't just do score predictions and say, Oh, I think obviously my team's going to win. This is my score. We do something called Monday headlines. So you're watching ESPN on Monday and they're talking about the game. What are they talking about for Washington versus the Chargers?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. A Monday headline from this game are the chargers for real. I'll say that. And, and I mean, I think that's kind of an open ended thing because Hey, if they end up losing by a lot and then it's like, okay, well, what happened to this team? Kind of thing. <laughs> I don't see that now. happening. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I think if they have a good performance against a really good defense and the offensive skill players that they have all come through in game one, and they kind of are able to put things together very quickly coming in with the new offense, I mean, I think that is what it could be just because I do think Washington has the respect defensively. So if the Chargers are able to pull off a really tough road game, I think then that kind of enters them maybe into the next conversation where people should be taking that offense seriously and the defense because it's the first time we're going to see it too.
2: I was going to say, being out on the West Coast, what's like the outside perspective of Washington? That's something we always love to talk about, Mm -hmm. like people that cover other teams. What's like the West Coast, you know, opinion of Washington?
0: I mean, I think when I think of Washington, at least, I mean, obviously, I've been, seen more sorry. games than, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably <laughs> the thing they're most nationally notable for into the name change and all those things, but besides that, I mean, I think defense, right? I think you think of Chase Young and Montez Sweat and De'Ron Payne and those guys, like I, that's what I think of first thing, and I, I don't know if it's hard because you, you kind of get drowned out because all everywhere in the middle between you guys and where I'm at, is a lot of Cowboys talk as well, right? So you're hearing so much talk about Jalen Hurts even with the Eagles or what the Cowboys are doing with Dak back. That's a hard, you know, division to be with for headlines, especially from the East Coast traveling West. But when I think of Washington football team, I think the Chargers' former defensive coordinator when they had one of the best defenses in the league in Ron Rivera and knowing it's going to be a really, really tough performance, a really physical performance, which especially for young guys in the Chargers, only are returning about 30-something players in the low 30s. That is something that's going to be huge in this game. This, these young players going into this physical game week one against a really good defense, at least that's what I think about them.
2: Yeah, I think this is going to be a rather low-scoring game. I don't think this is going to be fireworks all over the place. I think it's going to be two, like you said, physical teams going at it. If I had to put a score on it, I'd probably say like 24-17 Washington. I'd say that's pretty fair. What would you say, Brian?
1: Yeah, I I think I've seen nothing but, you know, high teens, low 20s for this game. And I really do, like you guys already mentioned, uh, Vegas making a a one-point game. I really do think it's going to be a single possession that decides this game. You know, whoever has the ball last or last couple drives, whatever it may be. I think these teams are very similar. And so, you know, when we talk about a headline on Monday morning, regardless of who wins, I think it really will be that these two are – two potential up and coming teams for a couple of different reasons, but for a lot of the same reasons, a couple of studs on defense, obviously the quarterbacks are two different age, uh, ages, but some underrated playmakers. I just think there's a lot of similarities and that's why I think it's going to be a tight one, a close one. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, we're biased. We talk about Washington's defense and all that, but you know, Los Angeles has just as many playmakers and young studs as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little sloppy with week one. We talked about Justin Herbert, you know, you know not taking any preseason snaps, but Washington's first team offense didn't score a touchdown. So, I mean, they're, they're rusty as well. And so it'll be interesting to see how this game unfolds. But I, I think it's certainly a close one. Um, you know, I, I would give the edge to, to Los Angeles' offense, honestly, and quarterback play. Um, but, yeah, low 20, like a 21-17 game wouldn't
0: surprise me at all. Yeah, one well, the thing to think about too with the Chargers in a close game specifically that we didn't get to is the kicking situation and Ooh. still a young quarterback, you know, in a very tight situation. Like if it gets late in the game, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick's been through it. You know, whether the offense looks good or not, at least you're getting a guy. Justin Herbert had some very valuable moments last year, late in games, had some game-winning drives towards the end of the season. It could be a different monster in Washington if it comes down to something like that. And in that situation, if it is a close game, which we kind of all agree that it should be, in Vegas thinks so as well, as well. But their kicking situation—they just moved on from their longtime, you know, three-year kicker, Michael Badgley. Brought in Tristan Viskai, you know, who didn't really do much to inspire Charger fans. Not only that he was going to win the matchup, but that he would be the, you know, that he can make big kicks in the preseason. The last time we saw him, he missed a 47-yard field goal. Before that, some of the news that came out was that he went three for six in practice on field goals when the other guy ended up going five for six they ended up going with this guy you know and i don't blame them for not wanting to spend another season deciding if michael badgley is the right guy at the same time if it does it is close if there are big moments down the stretch of the game that is somewhere with the chargers that it's hard to feel confident in the guy they might have going out there to kick that kick
1: i go back to similarities i think washington is right there and potentially (laughs) another step away hopkins has struggled they brought in uh Pinheiro, you know, you know, they could just be a week behind the Chargers, so you're absolutely right. Those are, you know, things that we haven't even gotten to that that really could affect the outcome of this game.
2: This is going to be a overtime miss kick, you know, <laughs> yeah, <for> case <showcase>. <laughs> just back and forth, the fifty yarders going back and forth. But like you said, last year, seven of the nine losses for the Chargers came within one score, so that kind of favorites Washington. Not gonna lie, that feels a little bit good. And all time, uh, Washington leads the series seven four.
0: So another little
2: little thing and there's some extra
0: guess if you want to bet
2: it's that big uh, sample yeah that's huge that's the funny
0: thing about the Chargers too is like those stats usually regress the mean especially in one score games that is something that hasn't for the Chargers I mean the last time they were positive in that margin was 2018 when they ended up winning a playoff game against the Ravens so it's like it shouldn't ever be as bad as it was last year for consecutive 16 point leads that were blown by the Chargers which is You can't even make it up, really. But at the same time, yeah, it it totally is. But at least with this new coaching staff, the one thing that should be a lot better is the attention to detail. And if anyone saw some of the ways the games ended for the Chargers, like with the Bills, they did a quarterback sneak at one point from like the three-yard line with Herbert trying to sneak and the rest of the offensive line pass blocking at the end (laughs) of that game last season. So like to say it was in disarray with that coaching staff was – Something that definitely cost them games last year. At least Chargers fans have hope in that regard that it could be better under Staley. But I mean, yeah, that's a lot of games. Losing a lot of those close games last year. That's something that has to change for the Chargers.
2: Absolutely. Well, Dan, we appreciate you coming on. Like I said, guys, head over to Bet Online. Get that one point under dogs and give Dan a follow on Twitter. Let everyone know where you are.
0: I'm at Dan Talk Sports on Twitter. My show is at locked on LAC. I'm excited, guys. I mean, Football is back. Right. We just have to see how this, you know, slobber knocker turns out.
2: I know. Me and Brian are both going to be there. The joke with FedEx is it's always flooded with fans. And I said, look, we are as far as possible away from the other team. <laughs> like, if I see a single Charger jersey, like, I'm going to start asking questions because there shouldn't be any. Like, we are literally on the opposite side of the guy. Like, there shouldn't be any. Because It just happens every time. Even preseason games. It's like Bingo fans are coming out. And I'm like, where are y'all and why are you at a preseason game it happens every single game but guys hopefully we flood the stadium i know season tickets and everything's been popping looking forward to seeing everyone at the game and we're gonna break it down on monday but dan like i said appreciate you coming in thanks dan awesome y'all have a good one
0: thank you for listening to believe